blue shirts. Who is singing in your again? ear? It's bantering. Another song, shirts. really. Who is Mike in your ear? Yes. Is Beth in your ear? Yes. We're in your ear. So that's going to be our new opening, I think. Um, maybe I'll just I'll try <laughs> right. record it's, it and uh, play it every day. Um, yeah, when I was in college, uh, we had a radio show, and the radio show's names were Two Hot Dudes in the Cool of the Evening, which my father thought up, and the other one was Two Dudes in Your Ear. And they were both uh, they were pretty wildly successful shows, if I do say so myself. So uh, those are the good old days at WQUN at Quinnipiac. Anyway, this is the good old days of Bantering the Blue Shirts with Joe, Mike, and Beth. Mike, Beth, how are you two doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm worried about Beth. I'm calling from jail. Beth is, uh, she's in jail. For those of you who need a, uh, well, it'll, this will be like last time on Bantering the Blue Shirts. Beth drank live on the air. And that was before Dylan McElrath was waived, which happened this afternoon. But before we get into anything, uh, I just want to take a moment to uh, just kind of give our thoughts on Rick Carpinello was let go by Gannett yesterday, maybe two days ago. Uh, he is the, the guy who ran. He was the Rangers beat reporter. He was uh, the very popular moderator and guy for Lohud's uh, Rangers report. Um, I know he certainly was one of the older school beat reporters, but there was a time when Blue Shirt Panther was first starting out back in 2007 when it was just me and Jim, and uh, I don't want to sound egotistical. I know it might sound crazy now, but we were literally irrelevant, and thanks to the hard work of all the staff, Mike included, who's been around for a really long time, and Beth more recently, we've obviously become quite a bit more prominent, but you know, there was a time when this website got, I think, 20,000 visits a month, and God, nowadays, we're doing double or triple that every single day, and back when the website was nothing, uh, Rick Carpinello was a friend of the site. He was someone who was on the old Blue Shirt Banter radio with us. He's always been nice to me. I've met him a couple of times. He's a great guy. He's a very smart guy. It's unfortunate the way the business is going, but um, I can't really articulate how important it was to have people like him when newspapers and beat reporters were really still the media giants before blogs kind of came around and, uh, you know, before they were what they are right now, he could have very easily dismissed us and told us we were nothing. And, and he didn't, he's a really warm, very nice guy. So uh, our condolences to him. Gannett obviously made a really big mistake. I don't know what they're going to do for Rangers coverage, but um I would be mistaken to not just say that, you know, him and Andrew Gross were both very, very friendly to the site when they did not have to be before when most people were ignoring us. So not to start off on a somber note, although I have a feeling this podcast is going to, uh, I have a feeling this podcast is going to get there anyway. Carp, if you are listening, thank you for your friendship. Um, You'll land on your feet someplace and, you know, we're rooting for you. We're here for you. Um, Anyway, to make it more depressing, I guess we should start with the fact that today at noon, Dylan McElrath was waived. He has, that's Beth crying. Um, he has 24 bit. hours. So tomorrow at noon, we will know whether or not he is claimed by another team. In the event that he is claimed, the Rangers lose him for nothing. In the event that he is not claimed, he will be sent down to Hartford uh, where he can play, which is something he hasn't done forever. Uh, Beth. Since he is your large adult son, do you think he's going to clear waivers? I don't know. I, I just I find myself right now just wondering what you do while you're waiting to hear about your fate like this. Um, I hope someone claims him. I hope that for all the wrong reasons. I hope it because I think he deserves a home somewhere other than here. And this has just dragged on way too long as uh, I was doing the very elementary math today. 25% of this kid's life has been spent waiting to be a ranger since he was drafted until today. So, you know, it, it probably is time to move on. But, yeah, I just, do you sit, do you twiddle your thumbs, do you binge watch something? What is it that you binge watch? What do you, what do, you do when you're sitting there on waivers for 24 hours waiting to hear what happens to you? I don't, I don't know. It's know. never happened to me. 
maybe, you know, I've been draft eligible for quite a few years now, so I'm just kind of <laughs> waiting for that to happen. So hopefully one day I can kind of figure out. Uh, Mike, do you think he's going to pass through unclaimed or not? Uh, it's kind of hard to say. I think um, after the preseason, was it Barbero who, who went unclaimed, and that was a little bit surprising. Um, teams aren't always willing to give guys a chance, but, uh, you know, McElrath is, you know, this is the last year of his contract at 800K, and so he's really just a low-risk chance for someone to make, uh, and he's a right-handed D, and there's not – it's always a little more coveted than left-handed D. So, uh, and there's obviously plenty of teams, including a couple of teams in our division, that need help on the blue line. So, um, my nightmare is for him to end up on a, on one of the Rangers' rival teams, and then for us to to see a lot more of him uh, than maybe we'd like to if he's not in a Rangers sweater. So, like I said, it's. You know, it's it's hard to, to guess with what teams do early in the season here. Um, obviously, some teams have, you know, injuries and things like that that uh, that will create opportunities or make them search for answers. And, and when a player like this hits the waivers, you know, it's just it's a free solution, albeit maybe not the one they're looking for, to find someone to maybe temporarily fill, you know, fill a hole in the lineup or challenge for a spot on a team that really needs defensive depth. So we'll see. All the things that we talked about last week in terms of why he would have trade value uh, happens to be all the reasons why you think someone would take a flyer on him. He's got a first-round pedigree. He's 23. He's a big, hulking body. He's got an enormous shot. And last year when he played, he didn't play bad. So I would be really surprised if, if he passed through waivers uh, in the breaking news article I put up today about him going on waivers. I put in parentheses, Rangers will likely lose him for nothing because that's truly yeah. what I think is going to happen. And that's kind of the next place that we're going to take this discussion. This is another example of the Rangers taking an asset and mismanaging it. Obviously, Emerson Edom is kind of the easy guy to talk about just with the Carl Hagelin trade and, and how much of an utter disaster that's been for the New York Rangers. It probably doesn't help that Edom's been on waivers a few times anyway, but this is part of the problem is it, it seems like Vigneault kind of has these players that he just doesn't think fits in the system. And it's very interesting to kind of look at the two different sides of this situation. McElrath uh, made a point to say that none of it was the coach's fault and that he's not going to blame them. And this is about him not earning a spot in the lineup. I think that's a load of crap. I think it's a very diplomatic answer mm-hmm. from the defenseman. Then you have Vigneault who says he needs to play and quote, selfishly, I hope he clears and you read it and you just think, no, you don't because if at all you thought he should play, you would have gotten him in the lineup. You wouldn't have yanked him out for a mistake that he made in the San Jose game. And we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. I mean, the Rangers basically wasted three years of intense development for a player that they've now thrown out into the masses and have lost all control over. If he's claimed, he's gone. If he makes it to Hartford, he's still gone because he's never going to play. And McElrath is a free agent next year if he doesn't play in 42 NHL games this year. And, he's not going to hit that mark one way or another with the Rangers. So, again, I think the Rangers probably tried to trade him. They couldn't because they totally tanked his trade value. And now you have a guy who was a first-round pick in 2010 where you passed up on some enormous names, notably Tarasenko. And not that that's Makarev's fault, not that that's the Rangers' fault, because you can certainly – you can't play that game where, oh, he's amazing. You know, people – the draft board is what the draft board is. A lot of it is a crapshoot more often than not. But yeah, it's very now you're easy to draft. It's very easy to do the 2010 draft in 2016. Right, exactly. And uh, I think the one thing you can complain about is I don't think uh, the Rangers definitely reached for him and the type of defenseman he is. I think you could have made an argument that you didn't need. But look, this is. This is where the Rangers are now. They're basically throwing away a former first-round pick for nothing, and that's because they don't know how to manage assets, I think. I mean, Beth, is there 
Oh, you know what? Let's start with Mike. We'll let you collect yourself. Is there any way to look at this situation and not think that the Rangers just screwed up from top to bottom? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you should have started with Beth here. I This comes hand in hand with the news about uh, Juris being out indefinitely, um, which also kind of muddies the waters here on what the motivation behind this move was because uh, it's not not a question of roster spots it's not a you know it's obviously carrying 8d is you know something that not a lot of teams do but um when you think about what we've seen um from you know the d that have played in all the games for the rangers now that you know they've played a little over you know the seven games they've played i think and what we've seen from you know I think no one has had any huge Mark Stahl. He kind of is what he is, and he hasn't been, you know, a tire fire or anything. But Nick Holden hasn't looked great despite getting a lot of opportunity and a lot of ice time. And uh, it took the, you know, the the Bruins all of 10 seconds to make Nick Holden look like a traffic cone. So um it, when you see things like that and then we hear that, you know, McElrath has hit the waiver wire, it really, really irks me just because it's clearly asset uh, mismanagement. And when we look at what the motivation behind it was, um, it's likely to maybe make sure that he gets some action in the AHL and, you know, isn't just, you know, stuck in his street clothes watching every game and not getting on the ice, but it's so high risk, low reward. It's just, I don't know what the motivation is there, or what the Rangers are hoping to, to get away with. And, you know, teams lose very quality players on waivers all the time. And there's a reason why good teams don't make mistakes like this. And it's a weird thing to see someone who the organization puts so much time into just kind of get kind of, you know, shaved off here. So, uh, it's hard to say. I guess a positive thing is that the Rangers might be really happy with the seven Ds that are still on the roster. Positive. Um, <laughs> that would be bad because they would be thing. really happy with Nick Holden yeah. on the roster. Yeah, but we could feel pos- like we could feel good about them feeling good about something. Even if That's a stretch, thing. there, Mike. Well, yeah, well I'm trying, Beth. At least I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Beth. The floor is yours. Uh, well, Mike said all the logical things. And, again, the thing you have to talk about here is is Nick Holden and trying to figure out why he has these minutes and McElrath is, you know, sitting on the curb with a suitcase. I mean, those are the two things that don't go together, um, yeah. among many other things. But, you know just what's in front of our face right now are those two things that are true and they just don't make sense next to each other. They really don't. And yeah, like Joe, like you said, I, I very much hope that McElrath knows that it's crap, that he did not live up to expectations Um, because frankly, he was never given a chance to. And, you know, one can only hope that he's going to, you know, go on and feel more secure and play his game, which is a good game, I think, if he got a chance to play it somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, Nick Holden is – well, I imagine we're going to give that some time, so I'll leave that Beth, line there. Beth, quite literally, and I know this feeling very well, sounds like a well, not that I know this feeling, but I know causing this feeling. It sounds like a disappointed <laughs> mother. She's not even angry. She's just disappointed. It's not she like she, and honestly, I kind of feel the yeah, same I way. Never want to be disappointed. Yeah. You saw this coming from a mile away. Macarath did not get a chance. And again, I'm not arguing that he's a top pairing defenseman. I'm not arguing that the guy would have even been a top four defenseman consistently. Last year, he most certainly was with Keith Yandel. But what I am saying is you, you don't take a potential asset, and McElrath is an asset, and throw him away for nothing. I mean, that he couldn't get into the lineup over Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl last year is an enormous issue. 
Mike, I agree with you. I actually think Mark Stahl's been pretty good this year. I mean, all in all, uh, we're not talking about four years ago, but he has actually improved the way that you'd hope he would have. I mean, Dan Girardi's improved, improved too, but, but to, you know, not Again, we're talking level. about competence, not excellence. Yeah. It's holding that, that becomes my real issue because he's brought nothing – He's really brought nothing to the table in terms of reasons why he should be playing. And here's the other thing that we're really not talking about, what kind of dancing around. Even in a situation where Holden comes out, Clendenning is the next guy in and should be the next guy in. I think we're reserved to the fact that Girardi's going to play every night. I don't think Holden needs to play every night. And if there was some type of a rotation and Clendenning got in there, and look, you can see the Rangers desperately, desperately, desperately need some type of defensive to offensive transition. I mean, they just have none of it. They need a guy who can run the power play, and while McDonough can obviously do that, you need someone who's not soaking up all those even strength minutes. I just don't see how this coaching staff, and again, this is the subjective wheel of Vigneault's justice. He talks about how Clendenning had a good game against the Capitals but made a mistake. A couple of bad touches with the puck, and now he's not in the lineup. Well, last night, Nick Holden turned the puck over in the neutral zone and then let his guy blow past him for a goal 10 seconds into the game. He was a disaster on the power play. He was not good at even strength. Is the same thing going to hold true for him? And are we going to see Clendenning in the lineup tomorrow? My guess is no, we won't. Because again, sometimes Vigneault's rules and regulations only exist for some players. And we saw that last year with Tanner Glass. Uh, we've seen it with Dan Girardi, we've seen it with Mark Stahl, we've seen it with McElrath, now we're seeing it with McElrath and Clendenning, and this is a situation that's just come to a head, and more than likely the Rangers are going to lose McElrath for nothing. And you want to talk about how smart Gordon has been, and, and some of his signings and acquisitions look unbelievable. I mean, Zibanejad looks unbelievable. It's highway robbery. Brandon Peary, the exact same thing. Michael Grabner has been great. The moves that the Rangers have made this offseason – and you can't discount getting Buchnevich to come over. You can't discount Jimmy VC from coming over. Those are all amazing. Throw Clendenning into the mix, too. He's been great. But then you turn around, and you see something like this, and there's a disconnect somewhere. And I think it comes down to Vigneault not really knowing how to evaluate defensive talent. But I also think that Gordon is kind of letting him doing what he's doing, or at least I'm hoping that's the case, because... Any general manager who looks at this situation and thinks, all right, Holden's got to be in the lineup every day over Clendenning and McElrath, they're not the same. That's not the same person. It can't be. Not the same guy that brought in Peary on pennies on the dollar. Not that guy. I yes, mean, last night, last night, first period, we saw what we'd all, frankly, been waiting for, which is a strong offense watching a defense that couldn't get the puck out of their zone. We'd been waiting for that. We'd been talking about how it hadn't happened because the offense had been back-checking. Kreider's a beast on the back-check. Nevich has been back-checking. Last night in the first period, that didn't happen, and it was a disaster. And it was the disaster that, frankly, we'd been waiting for. And it's surprising we hadn't seen it writ large like that yet for that long, but we saw it then. We saw what these guys look like when nobody can get the puck to them. And it was not a good thing. And did they write the ship? Yeah, they did. Um, but they shouldn't have to when they don't have to. And that's the tragedy here is what game are we playing? You know, I mean, Mike, you and I were joking earlier. You know, maybe that's why Hank's coming out of the net so much this year. Just eliminate the defense altogether. Just let, you know. Hank send it up the boards to a wing and, you know, cut those guys out completely because it almost makes sense. And last night for a little while, we saw the worst of what can happen with that, how completely dead the play is going to be. And, you know, we got a long season ahead of us. That's going to happen again. And the fact that it seems to be happening by choice is really disturbing. Mike, not to cut you off, but I do want to just add one point that you made, Beth. I talked about this in the notes recap a little bit today. 
so far this year, I'm going to say 85% of the Rangers' D-to-O transition is coming from their forwards. And because of the Rangers' speed, it's, it hasn't been the worst thing in the world. And look, this offense is far more explosive than we thought it was going to be. This offense has bailed out Henrik Lundqvist in the defense for the first time in I don't know how long. But what the Bruins did last night that I think a lot more teams are going to start doing to the Rangers is they really clogged up those neutral zone transition lanes. And the reason why that's important is because when you're not getting that transition from the defense to the offense, you have one less forward in the neutral zone to take those passes or to draw the defense. And the Bruins were letting the Rangers forward who had the puck in the offensive zone come out and they were clogging the two exit lanes. And because there wasn't a third lane, it was very difficult for the Rangers to break through. The Rangers did not have a great game at even strength against the Bruins for that exact reason. Their power play saved them, which, again, is something that we were not saying last year or two years ago or three years ago. So the Rangers are going to have to figure that out. And most of those entries and exits from the zone are coming from McDonough and Clendenning. They are not coming from Girardi. They're not coming from Stahl. They're not coming from Klein. For the most part, they're not coming from Shea, although you'd like to think he's going to get there. That's a problem. And Boston's not going to be the only team that figures out that's how to shut those lanes down because the Rangers offense can't do everything. They're already playing offense. They're doing an unbelievable job backtracking, like you said, Beth. And again, you have to give some type of credence to the fact that Kreider and Buchnevich, who were two possession neutral zone monsters, are out of the lineup. But last night, maybe something you see more often than not, and Clendenning is a guy who can actually kind of turn that around. He's a guy who can get the puck out of his own, and you saw it against Washington. And that was the assist, the breakout pass to VC. So I think that has to be a concern on some level, but I'm just not sure the Rangers have addressed that as an issue because they didn't address it as an issue all last year either. And last year it sunk the ship. Mike, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Well, I, I think you guys have both kind of covered what I, what I was going to say, but it's the it's important, you know. I, I guess to put some sunlight on everything or some sunshine, <laughs> I should say, is Rangers are you know five and two in their first seven games, and the games they've lost have been by one goal, and one of those games was uh, Jimmy Howard uh, ascending to you know the god level of his life, but it's. All of that being said, this is happening with some really kind of uh, kind of eyebrow-raising and questionable uh, decisions with the roster, and with some obviously some some unexpected injuries to some very important players, including Kreider, who's missed two games but still has the team lead with seven points, uh, and it doesn't have to be this hard. Like it's, it's almost like the Rangers are creating obstacles for themselves. And in the modern game, if you don't understand that you need D who can move the puck and it's not just, it's not just the power play quarterback. Like that is a nice skill to have in a defenseman, but that's not half as important as what a defenseman can do at even strength. If, if he can successfully create zone exits and, you know, get the, your team in the offensive zone because that's how those things happen. And the team is already asking so much of Ryan McDonough. And if they, you know, if all this weight comes bearing down on McDonough to, you know, how many, I don't know how many hats he can wear at this point, but it's it's not going to be very hard to game plan against the Rangers, especially with forechecking when teams know that there's really only one guy and, you know, you can start to make an argument for Shea a little bit, but, you know, Kevin Klein and Mark Stahl aren't going to amaze anyone with breakout passes. Dan Girardi and Nick Holden certainly aren't going to. So that's a, that's a big problem that we need to keep an eye on moving forward here because with Clendenning's not going to do any good uh, watching games as the seventh seed, just like, McArath isn't going to do the Rangers any good at all on waivers. The only thing, the only thing you can really look at in a situation like this and kind of just think about the way that the Rangers are analyzing their defense is that 
you kind of said it, Mike, they might be happy with what they have. And that's an alarming realization, if true, because that means that they're happy with Nick Holden playing top four defense. Uh, The Rangers are continuously linked to trying to upgrade their top four defensemen, which means that they're not happy with their top four defensemen, which means that maybe they're not happy with what they have. But we really haven't seen those adjustments from Vigneault that you would expect to see in a situation like this. And again, I I don't want this to sound doom and gloom. The Rangers are five and two. They're playing very good hockey. This isn't a matter of, you know, they're totally shitting the bed and no one knows what to do. This is not last year where they were backstepping into the playoffs. This is a very different team than last year, but the goal has always been to win a Stanley cup. And I'm not sure the way the Rangers are currently built, they can do that. Now, the question becomes, what do you think the Rangers are going to have to give up to get a top four defenseman? What defenseman is going to come out? You have the expansion draft to look at next year. Is Clendenning actually in the plans? Are they going to get rid of Girardi or Stahl? They have to get rid of one of them if they pick up a new defenseman so that they don't have to waive that defenseman or put him in, expose him in the draft. Like, There's a lot of things that go into this, but I think there are plenty of questions that we have not been able to answer yet because we just don't know where the Rangers are coming from. And Joris getting injured obviously pulls away from one of the choices the Rangers are going to have to make at forward because Buchnevich is back and Oscar Lindbergh is back. But there's changes coming somewhere down the line. The Rangers are going to do something for the top four defensemen. The timing behind McElrath's waving is bizarre because Joris separated his shoulder last night. For those of you who aren't aware, he's probably going to be out a month. He was put on injury reserve. The Rangers lose his cap space for the time that he's out, and it frees up a roster spot. So they didn't have to send McElrath down. The only reason why they would do yeah. that is to either save cap space. Uh, now they think they have a little over, literally a hair over $3 million for a move, or they're trying to make roster space for a move. And Anaheim just signed Lindholm, so there's something going to happen over there because they're – I think right up against the cap with someone on injury reserve themselves. I don't know if that's the move. I don't know if the Rangers and Anaheim are going to be together on this. I don't know if the Rangers are still trying to go after Truba. I'm not sure what the deal is, but something is coming one way or another. The Rangers look poised to make a move. However, I said that in June when they traded for Nick Holden and here we are. So not totally sure that, um, we're in the know. The Rangers are obviously very tight-lipped. They don't let stuff sneak out into the public. And with even less beat reporters today than we had a couple of days ago, that stuff isn't going to be getting out there anytime soon. So um, let's move to I a, feel ha- like a happier. Going, Go ahead. I feel like going after Truba is becoming a euphemism. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what for, but it's, I feel like it's been going on for so long now that you know, Truba, 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 it's just thing this that characterizes this summer and this season, you know. The white whale of the NHL, you know, whatever it is that you need that you don't have is your Truba. Um, aside from that, I was waxing poetic for a minute. The thing that I think is interesting right now is even though we all knew last season – what a disaster the defense was. It wasn't really something that you heard. It wasn't publicly acknowledged. It wasn't like, it didn't seem to be a thing in the NHL or across the NHL that the Rangers defense horrible. You know, they're not, there's no way they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. And this year it seems like an accepted thing. And like you said, though, I don't know if that's because everyone knows we're on the market. So they're thinking about what isn't there more. Um, I think the first time I really felt it is remembering during the playoffs, the, the Penguins fans uh, just cackling because Stahl and Girardi were going to be matched up against the Crosby line. Um, <laughs> Those are dark days. That was really the first time that I was like, hey, you know, <laughs> we can say that, but you guys, you guys can't say that. That's not fair. And now I feel like everybody's saying it. Everyone's like, oh, the Rangers so stacked up front. Oh, but that defense, you know, let's see. And so I, I, the part of us that was wondering, you know, why isn't AV seeing what we're seeing or why isn't AV acting on what we're seeing 
now this is a thing. Now this is what everybody's seeing, it seems. So I, I can't imagine that if he's got his heart set on doing things a certain way that that's going to change anything. But that did seem interesting to me was that now that's like an accepted thing. You know, we're fast again, stacked up front, but, oh, God, that defense. You know, and I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But that, that's a different story, I think, than the, the one that's been generally told about this team for a while. I think that's fair. I distinctly remember Darren Dreger right before the playoffs began talking about how the Rangers were desperate for Dan Girardi to get healthy so that the defense could be ready for Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. And I, I was just sitting there thinking, have you watched a single <laughs> Rangers game this year or read a single story for anything? Um, and I think the, the real answer to your point, Beth, is now that it is no, I mean, here's the first thing, and this is the real positive. Despite the Rangers' defense, and let's be honest, last night's defense is about as bad as it gets in terms of the players that are being iced. The Rangers' offense can and has bailed them out. So this offense can take care of it. The question is sustainability and all that, but, I mean, raise your hand if you thought the Rangers were going to start the year 5-2 and two and have an, an offense this explosive. I think in our wildest dreams, we didn't think it was going to be this good, and it has been. So what you really need to ask yourself is, are you willing to kind of remove a piece of that explosive offense to try to fix your leaky hole defense? And the player who's seen his name thrown around a lot is JT Miller. The Rangers are obviously not going to trade VC. They're not going to trade Buchnevich. I can't imagine they're going to trade Hayes. Not that they wouldn't think about it, but he's part of the reason why VC's here, and it's just not good for business to do stuff like that. That leaves a guy like Miller because as much as you might love Fast or Lindbergh or uh, you know, even Grabner or whatnot, you're not trading one of those guys for a top-four defenseman. You're trading a guy like JT Miller, a young cost-controlled asset, maybe a guy like Brandon Peary if he keeps scoring the way that he's scoring. So, Mike, do you see a move coming at, at some point from the forwards? And if so, are you comfortable losing a guy like Miller? Or do you kind of want to see where this offense can take things and have the Rangers fix everything over the summer with Shattenkirk, who supposedly wants to come to the Rangers coming for free, and getting rid of Girardi so that they can protect whoever they have to protect in the expansion draft? Well, that's a, it's a really interesting question because part of that, uh, the part of that that might not come to everyone's mind right away is do we trust what's here in terms of the, the structure of the team, in terms of coaching, um, to use whatever asset we would add the right way. And to let's say it's Truba or let's say it's one of the Anaheim defensemen uh, that's been connected to the Rangers. If we pay a price like J.T. Miller, I you know I'm willing to – in the, in the world of Miller for Vatanen, I would do it, but I'd also want Vatanen to be not just a top four guy, but the guy who's eating minutes with McDonough. Like I, I'd want him to be treated, you know, one A, one B with McDonough. And I don't really have that much confidence in the coaching staff from what we've seen the last couple of years with how they've deployed and used their defensemen, and that's a, that's a big concern. And the Rangers have also let, you know, an interesting handful of promising young forwards go in trades um, the last couple of years. And, you know, thankfully they've found ways to, um, you know, kind of cover the, cover the damage just with, with moves like, you know, getting Peary and the, the Benajad trade and finding a way to get younger at forward despite, you know, emptying the, you know, the coffers with prospects and young forwards all the time. But, you know, it's it's a really curious thing to see, you know, the diaspora of young Rangers forwards develop on other teams. And it would be kind of weird to watch yet another one, uh, you know, leave the team when we didn't maybe investigate all the options we already had in-house to fix the defense. So, uh I'm not sure how I feel about it, I guess, is my answer. What about you, Beth? 
I don't know. I mean, it does seem it's just it's an interesting moment to think about losing Milzy right now because he's obviously been snake bit. The guy's been crashing the net over and over and over again and gotten so close so many times. And you have to know that it's on his mind too. I mean, he has to know that he's probably the bait here and he has to be wanting to sort of you know, prove his worth and oh god, so close he's gotten so many times. Whereas uh Joe, you mentioned that, you know, what with Hayes bringing VC here, we're probably not losing Hayes anytime soon. And I mean, yeah, if I hear about that twenty pounds one more time, my head is gonna explode. But have you noticed <laughs> Hayes getting his confidence back? I mean, that to me is what I notice more than anything that has to do with his weight. I mean Last night, right? I mean, wasn't he – he was doing that crazy hold on to the puck hands thing that we saw a lot from him his first year, and then he lost it at the blue line, but he scored shortly after that. And it was the sort of thing that last season, if that had happened and he'd lost the puck in that way, he would have had his head hanging and felt disgraced and probably, you know – heard about it and it just seemed like last night he was able to get himself am i remembering the the right order of things do you guys remember the moment i'm talking about i do and i, I also remember kevin hayes making an, a hustle play to keep the puck in the zone before the rick nash opening goal and to your point those opportunities would not have been there after a mistake last year hayes yeah. may have lost That's 20 pounds I mean. but I think the, the the things that have changed for the forwards for the New York Rangers is Miller, Kreider, and Hayes have all taken an enormous leap forward. Jimmy Vesey has been far more prepared for the NHL than I thought he was going to be, and ditto for Pavel Buchnevich when we've kind of seen him. Um, the thought process is that these guys were gripping the sticks kind of tight last year because they didn't know what was happening. And I'm sure it's very difficult for JT Miller because he has to know he's the guy in those discussions. Yeah. These players are not robots. We've discussed that before. They are self-aware. He is quite aware that his name is being thrown around. And that needs to be difficult to, to kind of play through. But you're right, Beth. He's been playing really well. Uh, he scored a goal the other night. He, he's not. Miller has been just as good as you'd want him to be in. If it makes you uncomfortable, the thought of trading him, it should, because you have to give to get in this league more often than not. Obviously not in the case of Brian McDonough, but whatever. Um, There's just, you need to be a little uncomfortable with what you're giving up. You need to be a little unwilling to part with whoever the player is that you're going to part with. And I truly don't think there's any way that Kevin Hayes is possibly on the trading block, not just for Jimmy Vesey, but from the way he's playing, but I think Hayes has done a lot more stuff away from the puck that people were maybe not expecting from him. And let's call a spade a spade on this one. The media-driven narrative that he was lazy, which was thrown around by media member, a particular media member who is no longer <laughs> with the uh, beat, and it's not Carp. Um, that yep. died in a, in a horrible fire, and that's great because Hayes is not a lazy player. Hayes has some of the best primary point metrics in the NHL per 60. Like, this is a very good player. This is a kid who's really going to turn into something for the Rangers. And if you don't think that him finding his game is important, you have not been watching closely enough. And it's just a little interesting to see Vigneault take such a deeper appreciation and make such a bigger investment in a guy like Kevin Hayes that he didn't seem overly interested in doing that with last year when a guy like McElrath is on waivers today. So... It's good and it's bad. You, you do see the good and you, you do see the bad. Um, I wonder how fast McElrath can lose 20 pounds. Uh, well, see, if he'd lost 20 pounds, it would go against, like, what he needed or what the Rangers <laughs> want from him, sadly. It's I don't just, know. It just seems to make a whole lot of people happy is all I'm saying. For if all they the lose 20 pounds, but, well, know, that's he true. He really because, should try everything. That's all Pierre Maguire could talk about was the fact that Hayes lost 20 pounds. Oh, that's all we've God. heard about. And, and I hate then that's part of the narrative too, because it's like, oh, he lost yeah. twenty pounds. He's not lazy anymore. He was not lazy. He was never lazy. Kevin <laughs> Hayes is not a lazy player. I don't know how many times I can say this to all of you. I am so yeah, glad that he lost twenty pounds. Stride. Good for him. He looks great. But what, what does that have to do with anything? 
It doesn't have to do anything with anything. I mean, that's what I actually said at one point. You know, do you remember? I mean, he missed the – I mean, he had one great leaning shot, like, really early on. It was, like, the first or second game, and he, like, missed the net. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, if he hadn't lost 20 pounds, he wouldn't have missed the net there. And I was like, well, wait, I guess we're only allowed to say that, you know, for positive things. But, I mean, it just shows how completely pointless that statement is. I mean, if it has to do with some sort of larger, you know, dedication on his part, I, I don't buy the lazy player narrative either. But, I mean, oh, my gosh, stop talking about it. It's like some caricature of a, of a beauty pageant or something. How many games do we have to go before we don't hear this anymore? Quite a few, apparently. I think we'll go the whole year still hearing it. We may. Just to quickly change you. To quickly change gears back to Miller, because um, Beth made you know the point where she was saying, you know, he's had so many chances where he's been close, but it's it's easy to forget with all the hot starts in the Rangers that Miller has six points in seven games here, and he's already picked up, you know, what is it, two points on the power play, and last year he had four points on the power play in that big year of his where you know he hit the twenty goal mark for the first time and you know, had that 43-point season. So on top of that, he's shooting a lot more. So, mm-hmm. And it's not like he's been getting the opportunity to play with, you know, really the players, you know, that you might consider his ideal partners. But Miller is being asked to kill penalties, being asked to be on the power play, and he's been great. It just it just so happens that he's, you know, when when you get great scoring chances and you nearly score, it's easy to only focus on the fact that, oh, he didn't score when he had a good chance. It's also important to note that he's being involved in a lot of good chances, and that's a great thing. And, you know, he's a cost-controlled player for this season and next season. Um, I believe the Rangers bridge dealed him. So, yeah, he's an RFA um, after next season. So, you know, if there's... Twenty-three-year-old winger like that, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of value there, and uh, it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what the Rangers are willing to part with if they do add someone. If I want to change gears to something we were talking about twenty minutes ago, well, this is part of what I was talking about. It, you should be somewhat uncomfortable moving a guy like Miller, yeah. who. I think is going to be a breakout. He's going to have a breakout year. I don't know if he's necessarily going to get to the 30-30 mark, but he's a guy who could be in your top six right away. And having those he guys cost control at 23 years old, is it's, a, it's an asset. The Rangers have kind of backed into this a little bit, but they do have an unbelievably young and potentially dominant forward group. So there's two questions to this, and... Mike, you asked a smart question, and I should have asked it when we started this conversation. Do you trust Jeff Gordon and company to not only get the right player, to part with the right thing for the right player, but then to have Vigneault utilize them? And I don't necessarily think the answer to that question is yes. I think that's a scary question. Uh, Before we continue, we're going to lose you guys in about 60 seconds. Big thank you for all of you who are listening live. The chat was pretty active tonight. We appreciate that. Uh, we will be back to Wednesdays for the rest of the year. I think Mike Lipton said that there were no more Thursday or Wednesday night games, so um, we will go back to the Wednesdays uh, unless there is a game, in which case we will move them back to Thursday. Uh, thank you for listening. You can download us. We're going to go into the Tony time, as we always do, to force you to <laughs> listen to us on the archives to pad our stats. Who knows? Last time Beth was drinking by this point in the show, so uh, we're already a little bit more tame, but I think the uh, security guard in the jail she's calling in from is probably not allowing her to uh, take intoxicated or take any form of alcohol. Um, Back to the point, Mike. I just, that's the real question to me. Do you trust this team to do the right thing? They traded an enormous piece in Anthony DeClaire for Keith Yandel, then they didn't use Keith Yandel. They've made trades for players that you just look at it and you're like, oh, it would be great if they used him like Emerson Needham, and then they don't use Emerson Needham. So what happens? Where do you draw the line? And I think if you get a guy like Truba, it would be very, very difficult to say that the Rangers made a mistake or that they're not going to use him. And 
If you're going to give up a guy like Miller, it better be for a guy like Truba. If you give up a guy like Miller for Cam Fowler, that is a disaster. And not that that's been on the table, not that that's been part of a conversation or anything, but that's really bad. And the flip side is, do you think that they're going to use him properly? I, I, I don't know. Because here's the other thing. When you really think about it, if the Rangers are willing to let this be a development year and if they're willing to not go all in, they can get Shattenkirk for free next year. And because of the timing of the expansion draft, Shattenkirk is a free agent this year. You don't have to protect him because you haven't signed him yet. So I don't think the Rangers should overpay for any defenseman because you can get Shattenkirk next year for no assets, just cap space. And I wonder if that's not in the back of their mind because, honestly, if the Rangers wanted a defenseman bad enough, they would have made a move. Larry Brooks teased that the Rangers hadn't waived McElrath yet because they were waiting to see if he was going to be part of a bigger package a la Truba. Obviously, that did not happen. Maybe something was out there and it fell through. Maybe they couldn't find anything. I'm not totally sure. What I do know is that the Rangers felt comfortable moving McElrath because there was obviously nothing for him here. And one way or another, this is the end of his Rangers career because he's not coming back just to kind of sit around and float around and whatever. So I'm not sure if I trust Vigneault to, to do the right thing on this. And I guess I'd have to say I trust Gordon because at this point he hasn't given me a reason not to. I think a lot of the things we're upset with as Rangers fans are, are on Vigneault's plate, but eventually he's got to handle things too. But his team is 5-2. and two. What is he supposed to do? Shake everything up? There's You got to be somewhat level-headed in these decisions and we're talking about something that is very emotional, more emotional for Beth than others, but you hate <laughs> to see teams give up on young assets who may come back to haunt you. I mean, we're you're hoping up. Brandon Peary becomes that for Anaheim or Florida or whoever else gave up on him. You're on the right side of that ship. The Rangers have been on the right side of that ship a couple of times. Benoit Pouillat was another example of that. They've been on the wrong end of that ship. You know, Duclair, hopefully not McElrath, so... Um, I mean, Joe, you say, you mentioned something about the Rangers recognizing that this is a, or, you know, sort of saying this is a rebuilding year. Um, I can't imagine them not going for it this year if they thought it was worth going for it last year. I know know we're, what, five games in, seven games in or whatever. I know there's a long way to go. Um, But, I mean... If I have to make the call already, I would say we have a better chance right now this year than we did last year. So I don't see them sitting back and thinking rebuild. Do you? I guess really? that is kind of a scary. So I haven't really thought about it all that much because we haven't really gotten there. We've all. Yeah, we're not agreed. there, but. We've all agreed that we're totally fine with the Rangers using this as a rebuilding year so long as they don't go all in. And couldn't the Rangers really afford to go all in four years in a row? It just sounds so insane because Eric Stahl was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, that trade was absolutely – it was just gutting. It, was, it really was because you lose Sorella, who is really one of the brighter prospects in the system, and it's, it's just not – something you want to see happen, especially when it only earns you one playoff win. So I'm thinking the Rangers are well aware that they're not going to be those types of contenders, but you're right. They're five and two right now. There's a lot of things going in the right direction for them. Um, It's hard to think of a scenario where the Rangers don't get to the trade deadline if they keep playing this well and aren't tempted. Uh, Mike, do you think Gordon could hold himself back? I mean, I, and I don't even know if I could looking at this team. Let me just say that. Uh, assume that there's a big move out there to be made and they make it for a long-term player like a Truba or, or something along those lines. That's a lot different than making a move for Eric Stahl that's a pure rental. I, I just don't know. Do you, do you see Gordon being smarter about this deadline? I, I'd have to think yes, but... Mike, you you are the most level-headed person here, so. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, the the scar that Eric Stahl left is 
ill in plain sight for this management group because, you know, it taught it taught the team a very valuable lesson, as did the Keith Yandel trade. I mean, Yandel, by, by no think? means was he was like an under, you know, he didn't underwhelm as a ranger. It's just that he didn't get the right opportunity, and he still went ahead and led the team in assists last season. And when he was using the power play, he, oh, my gosh, he made it better. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know if we should expect uh, Gordon and company to kind of learn from those mistakes. I would hope that we do. But if this team is playing like this as the trade deadline approaches and it looks like they have, you know, all these young forwards that are, you know, be plenty – Plenty tempting to teams who have, you know, some big-name guys on expiring contracts and they want younger, cost-controlled guys coming back, then, you know, I, if, you know, if the Rangers are 13 or, you know, how many games above 500, it's, you know, I don't think there's any general manager who wouldn't start to wonder what he's not willing to give up to, to make a cup run because if the Rangers win a cup this year, a lot of mistakes will be kind of forgotten by a lot of the fan base because that's the objective is to win the Stanley Cup. And it will become a question of what what will increase the team's odds to do that by sticking with these young guys and kind of working it out and seeing what happens and not overpaying to add a piece on the blue line or, or getting really tempted if things continue to go this well and, you know, taking a swing at a pitch that you might not take, you probably shouldn't take a swing at considering uh, what's happened with the last few deadline moves. But um, that's something that I think we were ruling out before the beginning of the season that I'm not sure is kind of an absolute now, just because, you know, in the world of this team looking this good and, you know, seven games, they're five and two, uh, we need to not, you know, get, get too silly here with the small sample size, but, you know, they've, the Rangers have looked really good despite, you know, some goofy, you know, roster decisions. And, you know, I don't remember the last time we had a fourth line that looked this good. And I don't remember the last time I felt this good about two rookie forwards who were in the lineup. I mean, when was the last time we had two rookie forwards in the lineup? So uh, there's, there's so much to like, but there's also a lot at risk here. And I think that's, Enough to keep all of us awake at night. <laughs> yeah, I just suddenly imagined what if McDonough got hurt right now. Don't even say things like that. Yeah, that was my article the other day. See, none yeah, of us are none of us are going to sleep tonight now. McDonough getting disaster. hurt without a yandel. The Rangers. Nobody there. There would be nobody home. The Rangers' defense is like put together with stick or glue sticks and scotch tape right now, and it's kind of stapled in a couple of places too. There, there is no. It's a very fragile group in that there is no real way to come back from a big injury, and the Rangers' defense is not good, but it's only as good as it is because Mark Stahl has improved to a level that's, I guess, somewhat Passable. acceptable, and because Clendenning played so well and. Klein's been okay. He's been pretty good. You, you know, there's just there's a lot of things to be concerned about. But you bring up a good point in that the Rangers' defense has been – we can call them okay. They haven't been as much of a disaster as last year's was, although, again, it would be really hard to be um, – I think they've been close some games, and I think the Rangers' offense has certainly masked a lot of those issues, more so than they were ever capable of last year because they're running four full lines. But there is no safety net. It's like doing a trapeze act without a safety net. There is just no, if you slip up, you're going to die. That's kind of what this is. And <laughs> that is the fourth podcast in a row we've referenced death in some capacity. So things are just going great. Uh, yeah, I think it's scary. Even the offense, the offense has handled a ton of injuries. Joris, Lindbergh, back and forth, one after the other. Kreider, Buchnevich. When they're, the Rangers aren't even fully healthy yet. Think about that for a minute. For as good as they've been, they are not even fully healthy yet. But that's the forwards. You look at the offense, and it's, wow, there's a lot of pieces here that can certainly make things happen. You look at the defense, and there is, it's just scotch tape. Scotch tape and glue sticks. That's all it is. And you just hope that they stick together long enough for nothing bad to happen. 
because right now Nick Holden is playing top four defense. Okie dokie. Um, yeah, this is a sad show. This is a depressing show. Very depressing. We're five and two, uh, it, but we're really sad. Yeah, five. It, you know what though? Let, and those God two were not it. really two. Yeah, let's end this I mean, on a positive were, note. We're depressed because of things that the organization is doing that we quite clearly think are mistakes and poor asset management, but the team itself is five and two. And for us to not feel totally comfortable with the way that things are going right now, I think that speaks volumes to how much further this team is than we thought they were going to be in a good way. Honestly, I would have signed up for five and two right off. It's ridiculous. Brendan Peary, he's scored four goals already in seven games. Seriously, you're, you're talking about a guy who's been such an important part of this team. Jimmy Vesey has four goals and five points in seven games. And can we also he's talk a, about Rick Nash? Can we just, like, be happy about you, you know the amazing what? things that Rick Nash does? Because I don't know if you how don't like didn't... Rick Nash, just, you know, jump off a cliff. I don't even care. You have to like Rick Nash, especially right now. He gets so much, like, flack for not being good enough, being soft, not coming up big in the clutch, whatever. Nash has probably been one of the Rangers' best forwards. That goal he scored the other night against the Bruins has such a high level of difficulty, you can't even fathom it. The guy is doing everything and anything you would want in the offensive zone and the defensive zone and the neutral zone. Oh, and by the way, he's scoring. He doesn't need to put up 100 points to be effective. Rick Nash cannot score a goal and can be worth most of his contract. He's that good in all three zones. So I'm with Beth. I don't want to hear it anymore. Don't give me your shit about Rick Nash. I'm not dealing with it. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Because they're the same people who think that Kevin Hayes is lazy. They're the same people that think that Dan Girardi is a great defenseman. They are the same people who hate Henrik Lundqvist. They are crab people. <laughs> Buy shirts. Buy the shirts of the crab people. The podcast has totally gone off the rails now. This is not good. Buy shirts. I think if you're it's not fine, buying really. shirts, you're a crab person. Mike will hug every person who buys a shirt. Will I? Uh, the link is in my Twitter feed. It is pinned. Oh. It is the pinned tweet. Granted, Twitter.com. his goals is an empty netter, but he has three goals in seven games, and he's leading the team in shots. On top of that, he's also killing penalties, and he's probably the Rangers' best defensive forward. What's not yeah. to like? People think he's overpaid. The same people who think that Girardi is not overpaid. Now I'm <laughs> fired up. I went the whole show without being fired up. I am now fired up. Oh, boy. I'm not. You, you I, I said just, the Christmas time. Me. I can't. It's usually my like, thing. There are things to be upset about with this team. Rick Nash is not one of them. No, bad. <laughs> oh God, that people can even feel that way. The same people who probably think Kevin Kevin Hayes is bad. There are people who think Kevin Hayes is a bad hockey player. Can you imagine living in such a world? Such delusion? <laughs> are you kidding? We do live in that world. No, we don't live in that world. There are people who live in that world who are amongst us. But we share that but world. We are not. Though. We're not those people. They're they are crazy. Hank is hold, Hank is holding the team back from greatness. Don't you understand? And there are people yeah. who don't like Henrik Lundqvist. Look, for as negative as we may be, we are. I'm going to say 90 percent positive about this team, right? It's Holden. We really haven't gotten on Girardi at all. Not that he necessarily deserves it. I, I think he's been somewhat improved. Stahl has been improved. That's great. It's really AV and it's Nick Holden right now. Those are the two issues. So, I mean, Holden's like a like dare, really, right? I mean, Holden is like everything that like people make you feel bad for not liking about Girardi. Holden doesn't have that. And yet he sucks. He's got nothing to like make us be nice to him. He's new. I don't care where he came from. And he's messing up my team. You know, none of the Warriors, none of the Ranger Forever, none of the Grizzled Veteran, nothing. He's just a guy who's messing up my team. So I really hope there's nobody out there who's like, Beth, you know, come on, Nick Holden. You got to give him credit. No, I don't. 
No, I Have you I seen Dan Girardi's baby? Have you seen that? He came, he came from Colorado, and I meant to talk about this, and we kind of got away from it. Vigneault learned about the trade from Patrick oh, Waugh, which is alarming <laughs> because that means that oh, like, God, Gordon made a move. Don't do this. That means don't Gordon made a move without consulting Vigneault first. Please Think about that this. for a minute. And then Vigneault thinks he's good because Patrick Waugh, a coach who is so bad that he couldn't make Colorado successful and they ran him out the door, Patrick Waugh told him he's a good defenseman and that's what we're going off of? <laughs> that is like someone whose house just burned down telling you fire safety tips. You don't listen to that person. They maybe don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think it's somewhat alarming that Gordon made a move without consulting Vigneault. Uh, I can't fathom how a coach finds out about a move like that without talking to the general manager, unless that was supposed to be part of something else. And nothing materialized. I don't know. But, my God, that whole situation, how we didn't talk about that is beyond me. Sweet Jesus. That is really just... <laughs> there we go. We got religion back. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, right. Fourth episode in a row. I mean, oh, boy. There, there is there's just... You know what? This team has been really fun, honestly, to watch. This team has been very, very fun. The offense is that explosive. You never feel like they're out of the game. When the Bruins are up to nothing last year, you would have thrown your hat in. The Rangers are not winning this game. They're not even making it interesting. This year, the Rangers could be down 5 nothing with 10 minutes left in the third period, and I'm not turning the television off because you just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> the front office and coaching staff is just as unpredictable, only that's infuriating. That's all. But, that's all. my God. Yeah, it's just... Ah. <laughs> Like there, there are people who don't like Gla- or don't like Lundqvist, Hayes, and Nash. All of them, they exist. From the depths of hell, they've come to torture us. I don't know. I think it's from the depths of the ocean. Yeah, you're right. Under the sea, crab people. Uh, buy shirts. If you don't buy shirts, you're just going to make us go even crazier. I don't know what to tell you at this point. I've so there's no way all... to make the shirts not comic sans? Uh, right now, I'm thinking no. Eventually, yes, I hope. But whatever. Buy them in comic sans, and then when we get a new lo- the new uh, font, you can I'll buy them again. I'll cross that part out. Yeah, that's all. Just buy the shirts. Buy. I don't Just buy shirts. Sell things from your house to get money for the shirts. They're sixteen dollars. Buy them. Don't you can wear them. Though. We'll know who you are. You'll, you're a supporter of the site if you're wearing them. Mike can eat. He hasn't eaten in three weeks. Beth has been drinking a lot. Maybe that'll stop. I, I don't have. know. Well, tonight it's mostly the bath salts, but yeah. <laughs> the bath salts. There was a time when that joke would have been very relevant. Um, But you know what As dark as this podcast went to We didn't talk about throwing puppies So that has to be uh, That has to be a huge positive I think Is there anything else the two of you want to add Beth you want to fire me up about something else Before we're finished I have spent all my fire Joe On morning You had very little fire today I was expecting you to be much angrier I had plenty of fire today I had most of it earlier I burnt it out you know, you have to you be prepared it. for the podcast. It was all you over not, the damn internet. You were not ready. You were ill-prepared to yell on this podcast. I'll be better next week. I'll be angrier next week. Will you? Even if everything's fine, I'll, I'll find something to be angry <laughs> about, I promise. Michael, anything you would like to add to this? DC and Peary both have four goals. They both represent management doing things right. Hooray. On that note, also, Beth the bus what, what did you say? Nothing. I didn't say anything about throwing a puppy. Don't worry about it. Um, Throw well, a thank puppy you for into the open, loving arms of a friend. Yes. Or me. I will always catch a puppy. If a puppy sure. is thrown at me, I will catch the puppy. Um... 
Thank you for listening. That seems you like can, a good uh, end point. Yeah, I think there's not a better end point than that. <sighs> Please give us five stars and give us a nice rating on iTunes. Uh, it goes a long way to helping other people find us. You can also find us on Stitcher and Google Play. You could do the same thing there. Um, if you'd like to listen to the stories on Blog Talk Radio, you can at blogtalkradio.com slash blueshirtpanther. Uh, you can also find every most recent episode of this podcast underneath every single story, every single day on Blue Shirt Panther. If you would like to follow Beth, twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Mike is, Mike is Dig Deep BSB. I always forget the BSB, but not this time. I am Blue Shirt Panther. Facebook.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Literally anything.com slash Blue Shirt Panther, and you will find us. Um, the podcast will go back to Wednesday next week And for the foreseeable future Mike, you said there were no more Wednesday games, right? Not in 2016, no Not in 2016 So 2017, we might have to have a discussion But 2016, uh, it'll be all Wednesdays From here on out, we will know about McElrath tomorrow Or if you're listening to this later oh, God. Already, You know about it somehow And we're talking to you from the past Don't do whatever it is you're planning on doing or something that a time traveler would say to you. And don't throw a puppy under any circumstances. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for downloading. And um, yeah, this was uh, this went to a dark place. But they always seem to. They always seem to. Talk to you next time. Happy Halloween. Oh yeah, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. The worst holiday. <laughs>